Welcome everyone to the Black Book Show. I hope you've had a great weekend. Uh, my name is Makonnen Sankofa. I am the host of the Black Book Show. I am also author of the books The Rise of Rastafari, Resistance, Redemption and Repatriation, Life in Gambia, The Smiling Coast of Africa, and my latest book, How to Market and Sell Your Book, A Guide for Beginners. Now, for those who are new to the Black Book Show, this is a platform uh, where I interview a variety of authors of African heritage from around the world. It is every other Monday here on Luton Urban Radio, and it takes place between 8 and 10 p.m., uh, that is uh, GMT time. Big shout out to those who are listening wherever you are. I'm broadcasting this show live from Ghana. Uh, shout out to those listening, you know, whether you're in UK, Europe, USA, Canada, Africa or the Caribbean. We have an international uh, audience of people that listen to the show. First, on this episode of the Black Book Show, I will be joined uh, by Beulah Coombs. Later on in the show, I'll be speaking to authors Dr. Tamara Foley, Anisha Jackson and Dr. Devon Tellis, We'll be talking about the upcoming Social Emotional Learning Day. I'm joined with Beulah Coombs, who is the author of the book called My Uncle Robert, The True Story of a Forgotten Jamaican World War I Soldier. Beulah, welcome to the Black Book Show. Please, can you start by giving an introduction by telling the listeners about who you are before I begin to ask you some questions about your book? Okay, thank you very much, McKinnon, for inviting me onto your program. So, as was said before, my name is Beulah Coombs, and um, I was born in Jamaica in a place called Clarendon. And um, I came to England in the 1950s as a child to join my parents. Um, so, I'm a Windrush child. Uh, that's a phrase that's going around now recently. Now, my parents were true um, Windrush people. They arrived in the 1950s. Um, so I grew up in Manchester, went to school there, and then came to London uh, at about age 20, um, where I worked first in office settings and then trained as a teacher. So I taught for a number of years in a, in a secondary comprehensive school and um, for the last about 26 years of my career I worked in a college of further education in London. I'm now retired and uh, so I've been getting on with some writing because I've got the time now to be doing some. So as, as I mentioned before the book is titled My Uncle Robert the true story of a forgotten Jamaican World War One soldier. What I want you to do now yes. is to give a summary of the book. Okay, so the book is about how my family and, how, and I first heard that we had an uncle who fought and died in World War One, and outlines our journey of discovery to... Um, locate what actually happened to him and to visit, culminating in, in a visit to his resting place in Belgium. So uh, as well as documentary evidence about, you know, to prove who he was and what happened to him, uh, there's also photographic supporting evidence. There's also a backstory um, a short backstory with a, a history, a short history of how and why Black Africans came to populate Jamaica. So that's the whole slavery thing and with it uprising. So it wasn't just William Wilberforce who sort of, you know, got the slaves uh, emancipated. There was a lot of fighting by the West Indians as well. So it goes into that. There's also a little bit of uh, Jamaican um, culture with references to some Jamaican poetry and some Jamaican music, so with, with relevant messages. So in a nutshell, that is what the, the book is about. 
Okay, so it covers from what you've told me, um, you know, what a variety of, of different things as well, outside of, you know, what just your, your uncle being a World War One soldier. But something yeah. that you mentioned that sticks out to me in my head is that you mentioned your uncle's resting place was in Belgium. Now he's a Jamaican, um, he was a soldier. How did it become like this Jamaican's resting place in Belgium? Sorry, how did it? How did it come to be that your uncle's okay. resting place right. is in Belgium? So he arrived in England in 1917 to fight. As I said, it was in the First World War and he was a volunteer. Lots of other uh, West Indians did volunteer for both wars, actually. Uh, this is something that's not fully acknowledged. So he was uh, relegated to uh, the British West Indies Regiment and uh, they were, you know, they were made to fight all over the place. Yeah, some went to Africa and to all over Europe. And he was actually fighting in Ypres in Belgium. And that's where he was killed. And the, the farm, it was like a farm where they were based. And they've turned that into a cemetery a war graves uh, cemetery, British war grave cemetery. And uh, when we found out, you know, details about what had happened to him, then we found that's where he was buried. And uh, we made the journey there to visit him. What I want you to do is to tell us about, you know, World War One because on this platform, the Black Book Show, there's a lot of people that listen internationally, not just in... Uh, England, not just in America, we have people in, you know, in Africa, in, in the Caribbean, in, you know, in Canada, in Australia, in, you know, various different countries. And not everyone may know about, you know, World War One. Can, can you, you know, tell us, you know, historically about what World War One was? Well, World War One was, um, they used to call it the Great War, they probably still do. That was the name they called, they used at the time, uh, that, that was coined at the time. And as the name implied, there was a lot of uh, people all from all over the world who were involved. Now, because Britain had an empire, um, they volunteered, they asked for volunteers for people from their empire. So like from Canada, Australia, uh, and the West Indies, Africa, India, and so on. And that includes the World War II as well. They asked for volunteers to come and fight for Britain. Britain was actually fighting Germany, but as I said before, lots of other countries were involved. So because uh, Jamaica was part of the British Empire, Uncle Robert volunteered to come over mm. to fight for Britain. And that was in direct response to requests from the king at the time. Okay, so, I mean, does your book cover, you know, other, I want to, particularly because obviously your uncle's Jamaican, other, yeah. you know, Jamaicans or people from other Caribbean islands um, that were fighting in the war? I know it's got a focus on your, your uncle, but does it put in the wider context in general, um, you know, people in J uh, Jamaica that was fighting in, in the World War One? Um, yes, because, for example, I explain about a ship that came over. It wasn't necessarily the one that Uncle Robert was on, but um, there was a ship that were bringing a lot of volunteers from Jamaica and the West Indies to Britain. And they were diverted to Canada uh, to because of, well, to try and avoid uh, the German bombings. And the... The people who left, the volunteers who left, they would have been wearing just their normal tropical type uh, um, clothing. And they weren't issued with thick winter clothing. And they ran into a um, snowstorm. And a lot, some of them died, some of them lost limbs. Um, and some of them actually did, when they got to England, they were billeted in Seaford in Sussex and they some of them died there 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 is actually a, a, a cemetery there with some 
West Indian soldiers who had died from various type of illnesses that they got there. So the war started in 1914 and finished in 1918. And uh, my uncle Robert was killed in 1917. So it was, you know, quite an extensive war that uh, went on for four years and involved a lot of people from all over the world. It was the bloodiest war until World War Two. Sorry? I said it was the most uh, fatal bloodiest war until World War Two. Yes. I mean, there was a lot of the, the conditions were really, you know, really, really very atrocious. It was um, trench warfare, you know, a lot of mud. Uh, there are a lot of films that show what, uh, and documentaries that show what the situations and the conditions were like during that war uh, and, and what a lot of the soldiers had to go through. And a lot so, of them were, were, were killed. So what made you decide to write this book? Well, the I first heard about Uncle Robert as a, a youngster in the late 1950s. Uh, that's when we my parents got a television set. And every year my mother would watch the, the commemoration service coming from the Cenotaph in London. And um, she would mention, you know, that she had a brother who died in, in World War One. Well, to me... And to my siblings, this sounded, you know, like something that we didn't quite believe because World War Two was further back enough, never mind World War One. Um, so every year without fail, whenever that program was on, she would mention her brother. Um, we, we never really took that much notice until years later when myself and, and a, a daughter of mine uh, got involved in trying to trace our ancestors, you know, looking into our genealogy. And um, we thought, I wonder if, you know, this uncle, we didn't know his name at the time, actually. Um, and my parents had gone back to Jamaica. So on a visit out there, we sort of asked her what his name was. And... Um, she told us, and there was just a, a really extraordinary series of coincidences that actually led us to finding Uncle Robert and to find out that, you know, she wasn't imagining things that he really had existed. And um, we got to find out what happened to him. Not, not only that he actually existed, but the age that he was when he died, where he died and how he died, and of course, um, where he's buried. So um, during the 60s, as a teenager in the 60s, I can remember a lot of British people uh, who were against immigration. And we were called immigrants at the time. That's people from the West Indies were referred to as immigrants. And they would often say, you know, my father and grandfather fought for this country and now you've got all these people coming here. This isn't what our kiss and kin fought for. And of course, no black soldiers were depicted in any of the films or programs on television. So even West Indians themselves or black people themselves didn't realize that they were actually soldiers from those parts of the world that fought for the country as well. So when I found, when my, my daughter and I uh, actually managed to find out about Uncle Robert and that he actually fought as a soldier for this country and what happened to him, I decided that I would put it into, I'd write it up because this general in ignorance, as I said, an unrecognition of the contribution of black soldiers, whether it's from Africa, the West Indies or wherever, to the, the war efforts um, for Britain. It's, I mean, I learned about, I learned about 
the war at school in history lessons, but there was never any mention that soldiers came from any of these countries. Um, and also, there's, you know, I, I learned about the Industrial Revolution and how Britain, Britain became great uh, in the 18th, 19th centuries because of the uh, that period of time, there was great economic expansion. And the fact, there's a fact that a lot of the finance came through slavery. And I felt that was something that needed to be said as well. So that is an aspect of that, or a short uh, account of that is included in the book. Um, so I feel that it's really necessary that we tell our own story. Um, when I say we, as Caribbean people, we tell our own story. But this is also part of British history. You know, you could have uh, British people with with West Indian neighbours and not know how it is they come to, to be here, how they come to have black neighbours. So there's also something about World War Two and the Windrush generation coming to help to rebuild the country, uh, to rebuild the country after the ravages of uh, World War Two. So that that's the reason it's really to inform and to educate and to raise awareness of this issue. There are photographs in the book. Can you, you know, tell the listeners some of the photographs you have included in the book and why? Yeah, so there's um the the, the, the photographs are mainly documentary evidence to prove that what I've written is actually true. That is not something that it's not it's not a it's a made up story. It's actually fact. So there's uh, photographs of Uncle Robert's certificate of commemoration with his name, date of birth, date he was killed and so on, on there. Um, there's a, a photograph of medals, two medals that he was awarded, the British medal and the war medal. And there's a, a photograph of his headstone with his name written on it. So these are just three uh, examples of photographs that are included. Well, it sounds like a, a very, very interesting book. We're about to wrap up this section, but before we do that, mm. is there any final comments you have and tell the listeners where they can get a copy of your book? As I said before, it's to inform. And I'm aware that, you know, even a lot of my own family weren't aware that you know, the part that West Indians, Jamaicans and other West Indians played in the war. So the book is available on Amazon in paperback, hardback and Kindle. And um, so it, it is available now. It's an easy read. It's not an extensive, long tome by any means. It's, it's quite an easy read. And it's aimed at um, young people from school children from, say, about the age 11 upwards. But I've had feedback from adults who have said that they found the information in the book um, very interesting. Well, thank you very much, Beulah, for joining us on this edition of The Black Book Show. Thank you very much, Makanen. Well, that was Beulah Coombs. Uh, Beulah Coombs, author of the book, My Uncle Robert, The True Forgotten Story of a Forgotten Jamaican World War One Soldier. And as she mentioned, uh, that book is available on Amazon. Um, it can be purchased in paperback, uh, in Kindle and hardcover. It's a five-star re rated uh, book on Amazon. So I'm just going to actually read now a couple of the re reviews on the book. So this is one of the reviews the book's got. Uh, the person has written as the title of their review, an educational, inspirational, real-life story that brings hope. 
This book is insightful in many ways. The contribution black people made in the world was was always a great area for me, but this book opened my mind to more research on this forgotten history. For me, it highlighted the importance of education and the clear link from the past to the present day, which so many misunderstand and want to disregard. At the end of the book, although I felt a tiny feeling of sadness for the thousands of forgotten soldiers, I felt proud with a large sense of warmth and hope that many people who read this book, who read this are encouraged to look into their family history because they just don't know what wonders they can discover. Just like this, amazing real life real life story thank you Beulah for sharing such an important part of your life that will inspire others for generations to come I'm just going to read another review now which says uh, the title of the review a fitting tribute a thoughtful written and a delightful produced publication this is a fine tribute to Beulah's uncle Robert Adolphus Smith Few books have been written about the West Indian contribution towards the British Army's effort on the Western Front of 1914 to 1918, and this book is certainly a very positive contribution to the memory of those brave men who did their bit in the muddy misery of Flanders so far from the sunny Caribbean. Well done. And again, that book... Uh, written by Beulah Coombs, My Uncle Robert, The True Story of a Forgotten Jamaican World War I Soldier. It can be purchased on Amazon. I am now joined by authors Dr. Tamra Foley, Anisha Jackson and Dr. Devon Tellis. We're going to be speaking about this evening, social emotional learning. Before we start, talking about social emotional learning, also known as S-E-L. Ladies, can you introduce yourself to the listeners on the Black Book Show? Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Anisha Jackson. I am a school counselor here in Charlotte, North Carolina. I have been an educator for over 17 years in various capacities. And I am a proud children's book author who um, focuses on social emotional learning. And it's basically through my books, I counsel my students um, on everyday issues that arise in their lives. Hi, everyone. My name is Dr. Devin Tellis. I, too, have a background in education. Um, over 15 years now, my background is in foreign language education and other various capacities, just like Anisha said. And I am also a children's book author. I specialize in just really closing the gap in diversity in children's literature. Um, it's very important to me that our children are able to see characters that look like them and just identify with stories that aren't normally uh, out there for our children to, to grasp and uh, see normal everyday things that happen you know, just like all the other characters that are out there in books. So that's primarily why I why I write um, for my students, for my children. And I also lace my uh, messages in my books with social and emotional learning uh, material. So all of us kind of have a similar goal when we write. Hi, I'm Dr. Tamara Foley, and I have been an educator for over 40 years. Uh, and I also write books that address social emotional learning. And the uh, my books are Cassie's Big Change. And we are so happy to be here to be able to share with you why we write um, books that address social emotional learning. And one of the reasons I do is because I think it's very important for children to address their emotions, and also to help support their mental health. What I want you to explain now is, what does the term social-emotional learning mean? All right, so this is um, Anisha Jackson. So SEL 
Um, I know it's a big buzzword, but it is social emotional learning. And it's basically a set of skills, attitudes, and knowledge to help students be the best kids that they can be. Um, there are different components to it, um, such as relationship um, skills, um, making wise and smart decisions. But one of the major core components is how to manage and identify feelings. It is basically kids learning how to exist in a healthy way in society. Um, and like I said um, before, it is just crucial for all kids to have these set of skills as it relates to their personal growth, but also how do they relate to others. Um, I'm sure we can go on and on about the impacts of COVID and things of that nature, but it helps with those social skills and relating to one another. Um, another amazing component is that it also teaches you how to goal have goals for yourself so it's just basically a set of skills knowledge um even an attitude of how do you relate to society how can you be your best self why is social emotional learning particularly important for children I, I believe it is important for children, especially, you know, at this young age, kids are sponges. And so with them developing skills on even decision making, on building friendships, how to manage their emotions. One thing I always tell my students is that it's okay to get, get angry. I know maybe back in the day, it was like anger, don't be angry. And I tell my students, yes, be angry. I'm glad you can identify that emotion, but how can we help um, release that anger in a positive and healthy way? And the skill sets with the SEL co um, competencies actually help that. So it helps them manage emotions, help them identify, it helps with friendships, all these things that will make them a successful adult um, can be taught through these five different competencies, even um, self-awareness, knowing who are you, what do you like? And it's okay to, it's okay to even disagree with someone because you're self-aware, you're so confident in yourself that even if someone disagrees with you, you have that skill of saying, well, we can agree to disagree and then not be a whole a whole big blow up or, or whatever. So there's self-awareness, self-management, social awareness and responsible decision-making. These are all the major uh, competencies that each child, each adult will need to use to thrive in their adulthood. Does social emotional learning also affect adults? What are the areas adults need help in? That's a great question because people always think that social emotional learning is just about children. And it's not because as adults, we all need these core competencies uh, to manage our stress and to create safe and supportive environments. The skills, the mindsets that adults need, it's about being effective. It's about teaching and coaching uh, others, coaching our students, coaching our friends, coaching our uh children, and the overall well-being of the emotional state of adults. So it's very important that adults address their own social and emotional uh, concerns. And as adults, we can improve our well-being. We can create a positive work environment. We can increase our feelings of competence and self-efficacy. And it also helps us with modeling skills for students, uh, building and supporting educators' resilience. So just know that social emotional learning is for adults. And when we think about adults, we're looking at areas of all the core competencies that Anisha said early, in, ad in addition to belonging, self-reflection. So those are some other things that as adults, we um, use to manage our stress. Now, as I mentioned at the start of the show to the listeners, you three are all authors, you know, Tamra, Anisha, 
and Devon, well, I should say Dr. Tamara Foley, um, Dr. Devon Tellis and, and Anisha Jackson. Um, just wanted to, you know, put the, do- the doctors um, before I introduce your names. Now, Absolutely. how do your books contribute to social emotional learning? Um, can you, you know, each explain uh, your book titles and, you know, yeah, how they contribute to that? So my books are Cassie's Big Change, Going from the Living Room to the Classroom, and Cassie's Big Change, How COVID-19 Affects the Way We Learn, Changes the Way We Learn. And those books address self-awareness, they address social awareness, uh, friendships, and building um, connections and family. So those are the things that are addressed in Cassie's Big Change. And it's very important because throughout both of the books, they are continually talking about their feelings, uh, being realistic about what's going on in their lives, yet having the support of their teacher and their families. So it is essential that children understand and know how to manage their emotions. Yes, my book is called Queen Kia's Eight-Step Guide to Friendships. And the major theme is based off of the competency of relationship skills, um, which is establishing and maintaining healthy relationships. I put an emphasis on healthy because in this book, uh, Queen Kia shares actionable steps on how to make friends, how to be a good friend, and also how to let some friends go. So through the course of this, it's only 32 pages, but we touch on how to communicate effectively, how to develop positive relationships, how to even solve conflicts. One of the steps is apologize. If you've done something wrong, go ahead and apologize. Um, Standing up for the right of others. And it's interesting that it's not only the words on the page, but even when you look through the pictures, that's the amazing thing about being a children's book author, that in one of the pages is Queen Kia advocating for another student. There's also self-awareness, like Dr. Foley said about um, identifying one's emotions, um, identifying personal assets. And the back of my book, there's a template where kids can write, well, what makes you a good friend? So of course that takes some um, reflection and acknowledging, listen, I bring a lot to the table as well as a friend. Um, Self-management and of course, responsible decision-making. Who should you hang out with? Let's choose our friends wisely. And that's, um, those are just a couple of the SEL components that uh, Queen Kia's book um, addresses. Okay, and my books are the Bright Future book series. I have three of them in this particular series. The first one's entitled, Who's to Say? The second one is called, Always Be the Light. And the third one is called, Good News, I Like My Brand New Attitude. And so all three of my books sort of tie in the SEL components of self-awareness, responsible decision-making, and social awareness. My first book, Who's to Say? I like to call it an affirmations book. It really challenges kids to be their own cheerleaders, uh, to not be caught up in what the world or other people or even themselves with negative self-talk might say they can't do or can't be. And so there are a series of, you know, of repeatable phrases, if you will, or phrases that kind of show up throughout the book for the for the kids to affirm themselves um, and remind themselves that they're good enough and they can do whatever they put their minds to. So that's um, a big self-awareness component that carries on throughout that book. My second book, Always Be the Light, is really just highlighting the fact that we're all born with a special gift. And again, it's up to the the child or the parent to instill in the child to tap into that self-awareness and know that they're they're worthy and that their light is worth being shared with the world, no matter how big of a way or how small of a way they do they can do that. And the last book in the series 
good news. I like my brand new attitude. It's a lot about responsible decision-making. And the, the theme is sort of looking at the glass half full instead of half empty. So, you know, we have situations that we might encounter as kids or as adults, you know, no matter how simple or complex the situation might be, but the challenge is to adjust your mindset accordingly. Um, you are in control with how you respond to things that happen to you in life. And so this book, again, encourages children to be aware of that, having a positive mindset and how that can positively impact, you know, things that go on for the rest of the day or throughout your life. So looking at the glass half full instead of half empty. Why did you choose social emotional learning to focus on? For, this is Dr. Foley, for my books, I definitely chose social emotional learning to focus on because at the time I wrote my first book, we were just beginning um, to even know about COVID and we just had gotten the word COVID. And I know that many children were having real difficulty as they were away from their peers. They were at home. Uh, some children, of course, didn't have proper equipment um, to be educated through um, technology. Um, some children, when we look at kids who are abused, they were then um, sometimes in the house 24 hours a day with their abuser. So they didn't really get that support or have that support until later outside of school. And school for them is a safe haven. So I thought it was really important to bring these things out and also to look at it from the perspective of the child. Because as adults, sometimes we are so involved in what we're doing that we forget how the children might be feeling or forget that they have emotions and that they need to talk about it. They need to express themselves and they need to know that they are an important part of, of life. And so that's why I wrote uh, my books to address social and emotional learning. To echo um, Dr. Foley, as a school counselor, we always have to, um, for our school counseling program, have to create a mission statement and a vision statement. And one of the things that I've realized over these last 17 years is that as a counselor, I'm all about preparing students to be their best selves. I, I've looked at past uh, from New Jersey and here in North Carolina, and it's always dealing with helping them be a productive citizen, helping with their community. And so that is one of the reasons why uh, my book focuses on social emotional learning. I want students to be their best healthy selves. And so understanding relationship skills, understanding self-awareness, building up um, confidence. I'm very big into students advocating for themselves and knowing their worth. Um, so those tend to be the two uh, competencies I focus on more. Also, of course, the emotional piece. But I just want students to be successful, whatever that looks like. I want them to be emotionally healthy, physically healthy, socially healthy. And so I feel that when I wrote my books, it kind of was a natural, um, it was a natural thing for me to relate to uh, SEL. Even when I was writing my Queen Kia book, I, I just wrote it. And then when I put it against the SEL competencies, I was like, oh, wow, <laughs> this has more SEL infused in it than I had even known. It just comes natural that I want students to have the skill set to be amazing individuals and whatever impact they will have on the world. So um, I didn't start off <laughs> with it being based off of SEL, but it just happens that because of the nature of my work, it just was infused authentically. And I can echo both of their sentiments as well. Like Anisha, I didn't start off writing my books with SEL in the forefront of my mind. It just sort of happened. Um, 
to align with the messages in my book. I did write my books from the perspective of being a mom first and then also a classroom educator and just thinking about those students um, that Dr. Foley mentioned who you can tell are missing some key components. And it's not their fault that they aren't getting all of those pieces that they need. And um, I, I think about where they're falling short and what we can give them as tools to help close those gaps. And then I also think about my, my kids and things that I would want to know that their teachers are pouring into them or other adults could be pouring into them that they encounter. So I wrote my books from a place of that standpoint and then SEL just happens to align with it. So like the both of them, my major goal is just to help the children or anyone who reads the book to be the best version of themselves. Whatever that might look like, I wanna help them do that um, and have them be confident in who they are. What is Social Emotional Learning Day? So when I think of social emotional learning, I think about it in the context of, as, since we're authors, I think about it in the context of literature. And so for me, that looks like diverse characters or situations and settings, just kind of giving an exposure to a wide variety of situations where students can see themselves and learn ways to process different in, uh, emotions when they come across different situations. Um, we know that the world is a diverse place. The world has so many things that happen from day to day that we're not in control of. So when I think of social emotional learning, it's giving the students the tools to navigate and their feelings, the emotions of others, all of the things that are out there happening on a day-to-day -day basis that are out of our control. Um, and it helps them to grow with empathy and understanding as they move through life. And there's a social emotional learning day coming up, right? Can you tell us, you know, when that is and, you know, give us more information about that? Sure. Social emotional learning day is March 10th. And what do we know about social emotional learning? We know that studies have shown that social emotional learning changes lives. It improves long-term skills, it improves behavior and academic performance while reducing anxiety, depression, and substance abuse. So the SEL competencies are also critically important for long-term success in today's economy. So on March 10th, 2023, we will come together to showcase, and when I mean we, we're talking about schools, we're talking about organizations, we're talking about communities coming together all across um, the nation, all across the world to showcase our communities, to promote SEL and to our personal and professional networks, to advocate for SEL with policymakers and support SEL in our schools, organizations, and our communities. So this year, uh, SEL Day will focus on uplifting hearts and connecting minds. And it is really important that people know that they can participate. It doesn't cost anything for them to participate um, in SEL Day. They can go to selday.org and they can actually uh, sign up and become a partner in SEL Day. And people can then be involved in SEL Day internationally? Absolutely. Uh, it has been international and will continue to be. Okay, that's great. Because a lot of our listeners are based um, in England. And obviously, I know you guys, you guys are all in USA, is that correct? Yes. Okay, great. So they can also be involved. That's good. Um, and also people, you know, in other parts of the world. So what is Lit for SEL? So Lit for SEL is 
kind of the umbrella that we all operate under. When I say we all, I mean Dr. Foley, myself, Anisha, and then we have a host of other author friends, and we all share the common interest and passion for SEL and promoting it and making others aware of its importance. And so it's the name that sums up our group. So all that we do when we work together as authors, um, it's for the name of promoting SEL. So lit is sort of a, a, a double meaning as in literature, but it's also a colloquialism um, here <laughs> here lately. Lit, the young people say, uh, you know, you're something's excited, something's lit. So we're excited about SEL. We're excited about SEL in literature and promoting it in literature because we're all authors. And so that's what our name means. Now, you mentioned the website earlier. Is that the main place to go, that website you mentioned? I think it was, it was Dr. Tamara Foley. If someone wants to learn more about SEL, or, or are there other places people can go to to learn more about SEL? Uh, the, the main website that I have noted is sel4us.org. We use it a lot um, in our in our group when, when we're communicating uh, us authors about SEL, it's a great place to go to find out, you know, the current state of SEL, what's going on in the world as it's related to SEL. It also gives you options to do further research. How can you help based on where you're located, how you can go and participate in advocating for SEL um, as far as policy is concerned. It's just a great catch-all resource for anyone who's kind of just now, you know, breaking into understanding or wanting to learn more about SEL. So that web address again is SEL, the number four, U-S dot O-R-G. Another resource is SELday.org. And will you authors continue to write books addressing SEL and why, if so? I will continue to uh, write books addressing SEL, but I'll also write other books. But certainly um, SEL will always be in the forefront because I'm most concerned about children's emotional health as well as their mental health. And I want to piggyback off of that as well. Um, definitely, I will continue writing. I think that SEL will find its way into my future uh, publications and whatever I, I create. You just It's everywhere. And I feel like it's something that just kind of flows naturally through us since we're in education and we do care for children and their well-being. It's going to come out in our in our works. But um, it, we'll also have other great information to share and other messages to share and all the other things that we create as well. And I echo. <laughs> um, also, like when uh, Dr. Tillis said, absolutely. I was going to say it at the same time as well. Absolutely. Um, and I, I, as I was listening to uh, Dr. Tillis, I, I realized me and her kind of have like the same thing going on that that it wasn't at the forefront of our minds. My book, I want to help students uh, be the best kids that they can be. Um, and so SEL will be infused authentically. But um, even my next book that will be coming out in the fall deals with grief and loss and the, and how to identify one's emotions and also different ways that you can express your grief and the emotional roller coaster. And of course, once again, SEL was, is not at the forefront of my mind when I start writing my books, but because of me working in education and wanting to see students be the best that they can be, I will touch on relationship skills, decision-making, self-management, um, social awareness, and self-awareness just naturally. So absolutely, my next couple of books will have SEL competencies addressed in them just because it's vital and because we're 
these books are for children, even though I heard the best books are also can be used for adults. It's the best learning tool. It is the best learning tool um, for kids to get the skills, um, help develop uh, whatever habits they need to be successful. And we get to do that through our literature. And I I'm very proud to be part of this amazing uh, collective of SEL writers. <laughs> well, we're coming to the end of the interview. Uh, do you have any final comments, um, each of you? And, you know, how do we, how can the audience um, connect or contact you? So Lit for SEL, um, they can connect with all of us through this link. Uh, it's linktree, L-I-N-T-R dot E-E slash all caps, L-I-T-F-O-R-S-E-L. And all everyone in the group has their website connected to this. In addition, if they have any questions, they can email L-I-T-F-O-R-S-E-L at gmail.com. Also, you can reach me on Instagram at Education for All Now, on Facebook at, at Education for All Now, Garwell Publishing, author Tamara Foley, on LinkedIn, Tamara Foley, on um, Twitter, Tamara Foley, on TikTok, Tamara Foley, and on YouTube at Education for All Now. And if you're interested in connecting with me personally, you can find me on Instagram at Dr. Devin Creates. That's D-R-D-E-V-E-N-C-R-E-A-T-E-S, all one word. And you could also visit my author and publishing website. It is www.drdevincreates.com. And this is Anisha Jackson, and you can find me on Instagram, on Facebook, um, at Karoy Legacy, K-A-R-O-Y Legacy, or just visit my website at anishajackson.com. Anisha is A-N-I-E-S-H-A jackson.com. And I just wanted to echo something that Dr. Foley said early in our conversation about the importance of SEL. It helps with um, building behavior and improves the academics. I'm so thankful that we are heading in a direction where it's not about the three R's and they're understanding that without social skills, without social emotional learning, that is the basis for all types of learning. If you have a dysregulated student, teaching them E equals MC squared is not going to do any good. I'm sorry to tell you, but if you have those skills and those attitudes that we teach them through books, um, that can help um, improve the academics um, as well. So I'm thankful that what is considered soft skills are now being seen as very important skills. And so I'm very thankful for Lit for SEL and SEL Day, because I, I truly feel we are heading in um, the right direction. Well, thank you very much, ladies, for joining us on this edition of the Black Book Show. Thank you for having, us. for having us. Thank you so much.